Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. I just sing because I'm so happy that we have incredible, incredible, incredible guests today. This could be our most dynamic show ever because we've got two dynamic women who love to sing. And unlike me, they can actually sing. And so I'm going to let them tell you all about them, but they are changing the world. So we've got the amazing Gabrielle Reyes. Hello. And Hello. <laughs> we've got Jonay Thompson Hello. in the house. So Hello. please, we are talking about, what are we talking about? Okay. So we're talking about everything and anything, but what we are, the big umbrella is how we can make a more evolved, compassionate world, empowering humans, empowering the planet, helping the planet survive. And these two dynamic, vegan, African-American, singing, cooking, entrepreneurs are really leading the way. Is that sound good? <laughs> Heck yes, I'm about it. <laughs> all right, so let's start with Gabrielle. Uh, tell us what you're all about, and I know you sing. You're famous for singing during cooking shows and singing your recipes. You might bless us with a little bit of a tune. Oh, blessings. Thank you so much for having me again. I just... I love chatting with y'all. I love your story. I love what you're doing for the world, helping people eat vegan food. But yeah, my name is Gabrielle Reyes. A lot of people know me as One Great Vegan. And I have a live musical cooking class that I leave every Saturday. And then I also have a live cooking show that I shoot with my husband. And uh, we also have some very exciting news about some... Uh, potential other places you could see me on streaming platforms very soon. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, I cook about food. I make colorful home cooking, um, plant everything plant-based, gluten-free. A lot of it is soy-free and nut-free as well. I just kind of base it on my culture growing up Haitian, part Puerto Rican, and also that American classic home cooking style is kind of what I base everything around. And then yeah, man, I've been cooking vegan food ever since 2011, been seasoning and spicing my food the way I need to. And then eventually I convinced my husband to go vegan. Actually, he convinced himself after watching What the Hell. So um, yeah, eventually got my husband. We all eat vegan together now, getting all our friends to eat vegan, getting off all of our friends to drink celery juice. Celery <laughs> juice. And yeah, it's been a blast. It's been so fun just sharing food, fun, flavor, and music with everybody. I just love this. Now, Jonay Thompson, Hello. Uh, you're, you've got so much going on. You've got the TV shows. You've got, um, it really it defies description. So just bring us up to date on all the amazing things you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for the awesome introduction. Um, yeah, I'm Jonay um, AKA John A. the queen. If you want to follow me on Instagram and all that fun stuff. Um, I am as, uh, as Jane mentioned, an actress here, well in Los Angeles, um, as well as a stand-up comedian. Um, that's what I 
really that's my bread and butter most of the time throughout the year. Um, I am a vocalist as well. Uh, I'm here actually working on some recording down in San Diego with uh, some buddies. So we are getting ready to drop some new music. Look out for some singles by the end of 2020. Yeah, yes. I'm excited. I'm very excited. And uh, this is where I would say for me, the vibe and uh, San Diego for, for music is just incredible. And I don't want people to think that you cannot do this thing anywhere in the world. I love LA. It's awesome. Um, this time has definitely caused a lot of us to get a little more creative um, in our endeavors and how we present our talents and our gifts and our passions. So um, here I am uh, doing just a lot of DIY, but also DIT doing it together um, with fellow creatives um, who are, who are down to, you know, keep this thing going. Um, I do enjoy creating plant-based foods as well. Uh, I have a uh, alternative page as well called Alternative Creations for You, um, where I really use that to just uh, help people out who are just A, intimidated by incorporating more vegetables in general. So I don't, you know, um, there, there is a, that, that uh, audience who's looking for, hey, how do I make something quick or on a budget, but full of flavor, full of still, you know, um, protein and uh, things that a lot of times people think you cannot get from other alternatives uh, outside of meat. So um, that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. I love it. Now, let me ask you, ladies, we're going to keep ramping it up more and more controversial. I Let's like do it. it. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's chat. All right. Now, Black Lives Matter uh, talks about, obviously, so many things, but I think maybe one of the underlying, and by the way, I share uh, a heritage in common with Gabrielle Reyes. I'm Puerto Rican and Irish. Um, but I got the Boricua going on, you know, um, my mom was born in Vieques, which is part of the Commonwealth. Uh, it's a little Island off the coast of Puerto Rico, but it's part of the Puerto Rican Commonwealth. Beautiful Island. Anyway, um, uh, Black Lives Matter is about a lot of things, but it's about empowerment. How do we use food to empower the African-American community and communities of color in general? We know that African-Americans are transitioning to plant-based faster than any other demographic, Gabrielle Reyes. Uh, can you speak to that? Definitely. I mean, just in my time being vegan, uh, starting in 2011, number one, nobody was chatting about Beyond Meat or all these other exciting products that are coming to be vegan. But also, it was honestly kind of mocked in a sense when I first went vegan, especially in the African-American community. It was crazy because I had friends who were uh, black, African-American, Latin, and they would, some of them honestly mocked me and, and, and thought that it was like something that I was, I had an eating disorder now that I was being vegan or I wasn't respecting the culture by being vegan. You know, I was uh, doing the white thing in a sense by being vegan. And it's so funny because the reality is, is like, our ancestors, our, our African roots, they were not eating copious amounts of dairy and meat and all these wacky things that they're consuming now. It's, it's unfortunate because I see, 
you know, a form of slavery in food now in America. Unfortunately, that goes into, you know, minorities, into the black community, into the Latin community. I see a lot of people who are, you know, continuing, perpetuating that idea that you have to eat soul food means it kills your soul. But at the end of the day, what's also been beautiful in completely the opposite spectrum has been seeing all these black chefs come out knowing they can season their food with seasonings, but he says, going in with all the flavor and recognizing, oh, I can make catfish, I can make fried chicken, I can make pork, I can make all these things that my family grew up eating and that I considered soul food, but I don't gotta be a slave to diabetes, to heartburn, to uh, you know, cancer, to all these things, to obesity, all these things that are ultimately, unfortunately, plaguing um, the black community and the Latin community as well. So it's been beautiful to see this recent resurgence of understanding where our food comes from, understanding our culture and how we can connect back to that through eating plant-based food. So I'm excited. I'm very excited about the future. And let me say this, I completely identify with what you are saying. I was ridiculed. So by the way, I always say this because I think it's important. I'm 25 years sober this past April. And it was after I got sober that I went vegan. And, um, and also when I came out, <laughs> it's all very connected. All and, of it happening. <laughs> in fact, I yeah. wrote a book about it called I Want My Journey from Addiction and Overconsumption to a Simpler, Honest Life. Um, mm. uh, not to say that I don't have character defects and problems that I grapple with all the time. Right, right now I'm using the uh, pandemic since I'm isolating at home as a chance to really opportunity to transition to really healthier food. I w I've been an ethical vegan. I'm all about the animals and I'll introduce you to some of my uh, cohorts here. I've got four dogs and a cat who share my home and I call this uh, place the spoiled brat micro sanctuary because they are spoiled out of their minds. But the point is that in isolation, not going to restaurants, which I do support through Support and Feed, and we have a whole show, which Gabrielle and I will talk about that, uh, Support and Feed. Uh, it's New Day, New Chef, Support and Feed on Amazon Prime. You can just go put New Day, New Chef, New Day, New Chef, Support and Feed, and it comes right up. It's free for Prime members, and you can see all this great food. But the point is that now that I'm not going out to places where there's a big uh, dessert counter and all of that. I've, I gave up sugar in December, one day at a time. I've never shipped, wow. slipped on alcohol, but I have slipped on sugar. And I feel different this time. And, it, and you know what it was, is a friend of mine who came to visit here in LA from New York. And I looked at him, I said, you look incredible. He's also a vegan. I said, what happened? He said, you know, I just gave up sugar. You should try it. But the way he said it was very non-judgmental, non like, I'm up here, you're down here. And I said, okay, so something, it was a psychic shift. You know, it wasn't like, I won't have sugar today. It's like, I don't need to have sugar today. And that's exactly what happened with alcohol. It, was went, for, it went from, I won't drink today, which I would always fail, to, oh my gosh, I don't have to drink today. It's a totally different attitude because it's not about willpower. We know willpower doesn't work with addictions. So... I gave up sugar in December and then now with the pet, but the, the, the pounds didn't come off because I was still having a lot of stuff that's very rich in the creams and the, mm. now I'm really trying to stay away from the white flowers and that sort of thing and eat 
the quinoa and the brown rice and the kale and the, you know, and it's delicious. If you give yourself a couple of, even a week to adjust suddenly this food that you thought is delicious and it, and, and you embrace it, but suffice it to say, Gabrielle, I relate to your whole experience of being ridiculed and being told by people, I'll never eat that. That's my culture. Mm-hmm. It's not their culture. It's not our culture. If you look at Puerto Rican food, it's yuca, which is an incredible Latin potato that's super high in protein. Plata, mm-hmm. which is a banana that you can fry up. Brown rice, uh, black beans, um, all sorts of things that are plant-based. Spices, seasonings, chilies, peppers. Yeah. So. English. <laughs> yes, Janae, um, what about your journey and your transition and what you're seeing out there, uh, particularly in communities of color, vis-a-vis um, the whole idea of realizing that they're supporting the forces that are oppressing them and that through diet, power can be taken back? Um, well, I know we said we get a little controversial. So um, I've, I've, I honestly, I've seen so many different um, sides of the spectrum and I've been on many sides of the spectrum I'll you know I walk in that my truth I'm I'm all about that Um, so for myself personally I was vegan I'm now more in a space where I guess you could call it omni more so I'm not similar to alcohol where it's like okay you you can choose to have the willpower I'm not going to do it or I am but I'm in a space where I really believe that there's um, there there's there's still um, a, a piece of me that's like I have to figure out the journey for myself. So similar to religion, <laughs> um, everything that is uh, how, how we choose our day to day life, I believe that um, you have to do what makes sense for you. So for me, coming into this community, which I was a part of strongly for about two years. Um, I kind of went from, from being on the side of being, uh, ridiculed in the beginning, like from both sides. So for me, just being a person interested of like, Hey, I I'm trying to figure out these, these things here and there. Um, and having, um, the experience of whether it was like, Oh, well, you're, you're, you're pescatarian. You're, you're going to get sick. You're going to die. Like to me, those sort of things were like, okay. I don't know if this is the way to get someone similar to like religion. If it's like, okay, if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in this way, you're going to hell. I believe that um, as vegans, as plant-based, as what, whatever uh, we want to identify, we have to remember that, you know, we have the power to invite people into these spaces in ways where it's not so, um, so black and white sometimes there, there is a space for, I love what you said, Gabrielle, where you mentioned that um, most, most times in our cultures, we were never once to eat meats in copious amounts. So me coming from a family where uh, roots in Mississippi and Louisiana, uh, grandmother having 10 kids in San Diego, like figuring that sort of thing out where they had their own garden but they mm-hmm. did have chickens too, where that's how they got their eggs. And, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, where I believe that um, even with, within our vegan 
diets and foods. Uh, I know uh, going back to even what Jane spoke about the figuring out now, I'm like, okay, I kind of want to cut out some of the sugar. I want to cut out some of the flour. I want to cut out, you know, some of the, the things that aren't making me feel so good. So I'm in a space where I'm like, let's figure this whole thing out. Um, I've, I've been on both sides of being ridiculed, but also being like a person who was like, I would never eat a vegan sausage or I would never, when I was first introduced to this is like 2010, it just all seemed so like, what is, you know, it was very foreign for me, but um, coming into it where I was starting to get more hands on and starting to realize also the cultural pieces of a lot of these things are strictly taken. I mean, chia seeds, you know, maca, cacao, like a lot of these things are where people are, are, uh, may not realize from within their own culture contribute to, to this movement as well. So I think it's, it's, it's all worth having a conversation personally. That's where I stand with it, where, you know, how do you reach truths and getting other people to realize, you know, within their own, just in their, I would say our own, our own spaces, like what feels good to your body, what feels good to your soul. I think there's, there's a lot to it. And I know we started off with mentioning like, how does this relate to black lives matter? Um, And there's, there's a lot with that where I would say um, during this time, like, it's been important, I think, for everybody to have the conversations even within, within um, how do you bring more, more light in a, an authentic way to the contributions, to all of those things. I think it all kind of ties in together. Well, I think that we have to accept in our movement people wherever they are on the journey. And that's what Gene Bauer, the co-founder of Farm Sanctuary says, and I completely embrace that. We don't want an exclusive club. Um, We want to be able to attract, you know, having the dubious honor of being somewhat an expert in addiction. And and I've written books about it because I am, again, 25 years sober, is that it's a program of attraction, not promotion. What was different about what uh, my friend Donnie said to me? He wasn't like, you should do this. He was like, hey, this is what I did. And I looked at him and I said, I want what he has. Mm -hmm. And um, So that's when it kind of was like a mirroring thing where I was like, wow. Uh, So I think the same thing applies to eating plant-based is that, well, even though I was confronted and went vegan because um, Howard Lyman, a fourth generation cattle rancher who uh, had gone vegan after getting very ill and spilled the secrets of the uh, horrifically cruel uh, animal agriculture industry on Oprah many years ago when he became famous as a result of that. That was a famous moment. And I interviewed him and he said, I hear you're a vegetarian. And I said, yes. And he said, do you eat dairy? And I kind of hung my head and I said, yes, because he just told me about the babies being ripped away from the mothers so we can steal the breast milk of another species that we're not intended to consume because we're not cows. And mm-hmm. he told me all about the horrors of dragging down cows to their deaths and you know, tractors taking animals and dumping them like they were things, not beings. So he, after I said yes, he, he and his publicist went like this, liquid meat. 
Now they confronted me. That's the yeah. moment I went vegan. And about a month later, uh, somebody accidentally put cheese in my salad and I spat it out because again, my taste buds had changed by that time. Yeah. It takes a month to change any, um, any habit at least 28 days. That's why rehab is at least 28 days. So what are, yeah. So in other words, it's a journey. Let's say uh-huh. if everybody in the world reduced their meat and dairy consumption, um, and there is a whole reducitarian movement, uh, certainly that would go a long way. Um, uh, as somebody who's vegan uh, now probably 24 years, I wish I had the date the way I have my sobriety date. Um, I think we all grapple with this, but I would say it's totally a journey, not an event. I wasn't born. It's not a competition. Yeah. Go ahead, Gabrielle. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, it's not a sprint. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a marathon and it's not a competition. Being vegan, being plant based, uh, you know, being a chef. None of this is a competition. At the end of the day, how I approach veganism and tell people about veganism is I say, hey, listen, it's not everyone's journey to be vegan. That might not be your path in life, but you know what it is? It's your path to eat more plants. And you can't deny that. You cannot tell me you can't, you don't eat plants or you shouldn't eat plants. Despite whatever diet, despite whatever science comes out, whatever study, you know, on keto, on a shark's diet, whatever kind of new thing comes out, the thing, the base of it is colorful fruits and vegetables. So that just empowers me knowing that ultimately, all right, I'm on this path of eating foods I can pronounce, and that's just what I'm going to go down. If you want to join me on this journey, come on. It's delicious along the way. So that's kind of how I look at it. I'm yeah. going to be even more controversial. We're going to ramp it up. Let's ramp it up. Great. <laughs> my, my controversial, I'll posit this theory that, for example, using the addiction metaphor, because there's a lot of evidence that um, meat, dairy, meat and dairy is addictive, especially in the way it's packaged in fast food, fat, sugar, salt. It's a big package. Those things are traditionally, I would say, uh, biologically addictive to get humans through times of famine and they're being manipulated by the fast food industry to get people to come back and more and more and more. And there is a morphine-like substance within uh, dairy to get the calves to drink the mother's milk that also operates as morphine in our system. I will use the addiction metaphor to ask that, is it possible to just do less when you're addicted to something, if it is addictive, because I tried that with alcohol and it didn't work for many years. So half measures avail us nothing is a 12-step saying. So we're getting real controversial. I love yeah. it. We're going to go to a break and we're going to come back. By the way, you can give us a call. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. We are here with two incredible entrepreneurs. And we've been having, I think, a really powerful, important conversation about uh, society's overall need to transition to plant-based and everybody is at a different stage on the journey. Um, I wasn't born vegan. I happen to be born pescatarian because getting back to my mother who was on vegetarian, uh, who was born in Vieques, Puerto Rico, she had a pig who was her friend and uh, she loved that pig. She did not realize that pig was going to be slaughtered for food. And when the pig was slaughtered, she became distraught and, um, actually fainted and then when she woke up she shunned meat so she moved to new york formed a very successful latin dance troupe called anita velez dancers the last of the vaudevilles um she was born in 1916 and wow. uh, she formed the palace theater and met my dad who was irish american advertising executive he had been a big meat and potatoes eater and switched so when we were growing up, we actually thought we were ve- we were vegetarian. The word vegan was not even around. I mean, I never heard it. But we ate fish, we ate dairy, we ate eggs. And it was from that, then as I grew up and I started seeing all the horrors of the egg industry with the male chicks macerated and the females, the hens are gassed after a year or two. They're considered spent. And they're all gassed on mass. And I said, oh, this is morally wrong. You know, and... Uh, and you know what? Great, because there's no, there's nothing that has more cholesterol in it than an egg. It's like a big bomb of cholesterol and people are dying of heart disease and they're dying of COVID when they have these pre-existing conditions like heart disease. So I feel like that is also bringing this whole issue of plant-based to the surface. Let's go to Sarah on the phone. Sarah, your question or thought? Hi, how are you? I wanted to call and ask a question to your guest, Gabrielle and uh, Janelle. Uh, are you hey. both, have you ever had issues with your family in your community or your friends in the African-American community? Also, um, how do you feel about, you know, white vegans trying to tell African-Americans, you know, how to eat vegan, this, that, and other, even though it's really dietary nutrition, you know, it's really bad for, you know, African-Americans and most people to have dairy, 
But how do you how do you uh, feel about that? You know, with the race the racism stuff going on with that. Uh, excellent questions. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, who wants to take it? I'll go first on this. Um, well, when I first uh, came to my when I came out to my family as vegan, like it was like um, it was there was definitely a lot of similar things as to uh, Gabrielle mentioned. It was uh, concerns about my health. Um, concerns that I what wasn't getting the proper nutrients or there was just a lot of fear uh um, amongst that um I guess it was, cause it was it was new at the time um it was I would get made fun of when I would show up to Thanksgiving or something with my with my vegan options um but everyone would, it, it, in my family we joke about a lot in general so a lot of a lot of times it would start as a joke and then a taste and like mm wait, tell me more about that. Can you teach me to that? That's according to me taking my family to vegan festivals. And like, it, it was an awesome journey to even introduce, you know, just options in general. I grew up in San Diego where it's basically our staples were carne asada burritos and like a lot of just, we had our, a lot of fast food too. I grew up more in a food desert. So that is huge. So if we, if we want to, um, introduce the idea of educating um, not just uh, African-American people or people of color. Or it's not, I mean, it's, it's a class thing as well. So if you are in a neighborhood that only has one food store and it's food for less, there are not a lot of plant-based options there. And to be honest with you, from my own experience, I've noticed the prices are actually more there than it would be at somewhere like Trader. So it can be discouraging when you have the choice of, do I pay $2.99 for an avocado or do I buy 10 packs of Top Ramen for a dollar? What are you, you know, mm-hmm. and you're raising a family of however many. And um, so not, not just in terms of the prices, but the what is offered. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of depending on I mean, San Diego is a huge place, but there are certain communities and like it is in every city where, everybody doesn't have the privilege of eating well or being educated on that. So um, if you want to introduce that, you kind of want to, I would say, take it a step further and advocate for these communities mm-hmm. to get access to whether it's a food program where it's like, okay, let's set up some farmer's markets for these folks, or let's set up some petitions to get, you know, like, and it's not just food, M- movement is medicine too. So it creating more parks and like, you know, having more, th- it, I think that that has to be just as much of the conversation if you want to be, I would say a food ally, or I don't know what the intention <laughs> would be um, with, with, but I hope that answers the question a little, at least. Oh, yeah. Uh, very incredible insights, Gabrielle. Yeah, definitely the same thing. I mean, one thing that is, incredibly apparent, especially living in Dallas and South Dallas, seeing the incredible difference. I mean, I live right by a Trader Joe's. Like I walk downstairs and I go to Trader Joe's, but then you go to these low income areas in across the country and they don't, they don't got Trader Joe's. They don't got Kroger. They don't got, you know, Vons. They, they have nothing. They have a, a, a gas station maybe with some cheeses, you know? So it's, it really is coming down to not only just educating people, be like, eat this, eat this, eat this. But there, a lot of the time it's like, okay, how do I even get this? And teaching people what is the, 
the cheaper option? What is the less expensive option? Choosing, you know, I guess the rice instead of the ramen, in a sense. And um, really, I think ultimately at the end of the day, what would be incredibly helpful would be obviously the government putting money into these communities and building even just a grocery store, even just like, you know, a Kroger or a Vons or something, putting something there that can bring fresh produce. Because you don't have to have a ton of vegan, you don't have to have the ice cream or the Beyond Meat or the sausages or the cheese. You don't need all of that. What you need are ultimately colorful foods, you know, and, and whole grains and things that are inexpensive but can also be filling in nutrients. So, yeah, I definitely experienced, you know, some hate uh, from my family. I'm adopted, so my, my adopted family, they are white. And so they're big meat and potatoes people as well. I mean, when I first went vegan, they were like, you looking pale. Like yep. they tried to come up with all of these. And I'm like, I'm black. Like I'm not pale. Like y'all are telling me I'm pale. Um, and it's now though, now, and it's really, really beautiful. I just had them over for dinner. And it's really cool because they now try my recipes. They make my vegan fried chicken. They make my barbecue mac and cheese. They really appreciate And I'm telling you, my dad, like, he deep fries uh, turkey every single tailgate. He's that guy. Like, beef, potatoes. He doesn't eat plants. But it's been really incredible to see them be like, oh, girl, you still doing this? Like, you still going in, making food? And now, at this point, I'm actually making money from making food. So they're like, oh, you're actually, like, able to pay rent by this. So this yeah. must be valid in some way. So now it's really cool. They eat vegan about once or, you know, probably once to five times a month. Um, we cook vegan for them. Me and my husband, we're always just trying to introduce. And that's, I think, an important part about being a part. What, Like what you said, being a part of the culture and introducing our family, introducing so many people of color. So, oh my gosh. The amount of people of color that have come to veganism because of the flavor and the seasoning and the spice it's so incredible and it's so exciting to be a part of helping people do that as well in whatever way what maybe that's singing songs maybe that's you know telling them where they can go to the grocery store or what are the cheapest 10 things you can buy you know I have people ask me all the time you know I'm scared to go vegan especially on uh, TikTok I have a lot of kids yeah. who have parents and they're always like, well, what can I, uh, what, I'm scared to go vegan because it's so expensive. And I'm like, I actually spend less money than I did when I wasn't vegan because I'm not buying meat. I'm not buying cheese. I'm not buying eggs. I'm, I'm not buying any of those. I'm not, and for me, I'm not buying tofu either or like really. Tofu isn't expensive. I know. I know. It's not expensive. I personally, I'm just not. Everyone always says, if you don't like tofu, you haven't seasoned it right, but Yes. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I'm doing now that I'm eating healthier. I'm taking a block of extra firm. You have to have the right firmness. Firmness, mm. okay. A block of extra firm. I, I cut it up into cubes. Then I put garlic salt. Uh, I will say that uh, Costco has the best garlic salt. It's, it's like <laughs> I love Costco. I say I love about it. You put the garlic salt. You put some Bragg's aminos. You put just Ooh. a little oil, which I use now, a misto which uh, doesn't put okay. too much oil. Then you put a little uh, nutritional yeast and then mm. real garlic minced and mix it all up. And then put it in the air fryer. Oh my God, it's delicious. And you put nutritional yeast, which is really a superfood, sprinkle mm -hmm. it on top. It comes out almost like a cheesy top. And you just put it in That's there. For, 
I would say 15 minutes and I've just bought the air fryer, which to me is a, uh, I'm like, why didn't I get this years ago? Cause you know, I resist things. I resist getting an instant pot. I finally got that. Now I'm making brown rice and I'm making quinoa. Now I love it. People are like, get a, get an air fryer. I'm like, why? I don't need it. But the reason why is that you can make things that look like fried food and they're not packed with oil. And what I'm starting to realize as I'm eating healthier is that I wasn't eating unhealthy. What I was doing was taking my healthy food and pouring a lot of fattening stuff on it, like a coconut cream. Coconut cream is great, but it should be used like uh, very, you know, a tablespoon, not like boing, 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 boing. <laughs> so I'm really learning a lot in um in quarantine where I'm cooking myself, and uh, so I'm using it as a time for trans transformation. We're all on a journey, you know. I meet people who are vegan raw, and yes. I know they're they're like the PhDs. So yeah. I'm below that, you know. Uh, so <laughs> that's a, I can do that for about a week. What? I'm like, I can do raw for like a week. And then I'm like, okay, where's the steam? I need, I need some. Right. I was about to say I was raw vegan. Actually, I lived in LA for like a year and a half and I was raw vegan when I lived in LA. And I remember wow. just craving chickpeas. <laughs> I was like, I just want some cooked chickpeas Munch and some out. sweet potato. Uh, that's all I want. I want a sweet potato. So now though, I will say, I do try to eat like eight, 70, 80% raw. I found for me, that makes me feel great. And then I'm sorry, but I fry so much food. <laughs> I'll eat like 80% raw and then French fries. And you got like the air fryer? Fries. No, I don't have an air fryer. I, I deep yeah. fry a lot of things. I deep fry in grapeseed oil or avocado oil. But, you know, it, it is all about yeah. that balance. It really is about yeah. balancing out how much coconut cream, full fat coconut cream, you know, and mm -hmm. how much fried food. But at the end of the day, being raw vegan for those few years taught me a bunch of fun, flavorful recipes I could create and then throw some French fries on top. You know what I'm saying? Sprinkle <laughs> yeah. a little fry. Sprinkle a little fry. Somebody is asking you to belt out another tune. But first, we've got Paige on hold. She has a question or thought. Then we'll get to another little song. Go ahead, Paige. Oh, yeah. Well, I heard Jonay is... is throwing down some beats in San Diego. I'm in San Diego right now, Jonay. Oh, my God. Are you? Are you stalking me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jonay, I know that the entire minds want to know. So I'm going to ask the question since I switched okay. for you, Quinn. I'm just curious about your transition. You've yeah. been vegan for a few years. Uh-huh, I know. <laughs> I am curious. It's and I'm not just saying so shame. I'm I'm just curious. So if would yes. you be willing to share with us? Yes, I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, I am I am a very odd girl. Um, <laughs> so most people usually don't unvegan themselves or you know, I, I'm calling myself vegan X right now, whatever, like Malcolm X. No, I, I, I had some things happen during this time, um, during this quarantine time where uh, just internally looking, I'll just be, be candid with you. I mean, I think a lot of us during this time looked at many of our surroundings, many of our relationships, uh, whether it's work, whether it's family, religion, hobbies. Like for me, I had a lot of time to, to, to just take inventory. Um, and 
there were, I don't know if it, if it had a lot to do with um, the Black Lives Matter uh, protests and things at this time, but I felt a lot of just dismissal, I'll be honest, like within the community that I felt like, I'm like, there's a lot of silence about what's going on mm-hmm. to, to right now. Um, a, a lot of silence about this particular type of violence. And so that initially had my brain, uh, my, my, my wheels turning in. Um, is this something that I need to call myself? Uh, and that's with it. That's I'm the same way with, with I, like I said, with, I keep using religion because I mean, as you know, I'm a preacher's daughter and um, that, that this is the closest thing that I could relate it to spiritually. I would even feel a spiritual within the vegan community where it's like there's something about this that you know um but even with that term I'm like do I need to use the terminology to to be on the soul the same sole purpose and mission so I will say that um it was it was difficult to really be uh, not just terrified about my own life, but a a lot of black lives and people around me and having, like I said, the silence around that, but also the, it would be, I would be getting invited to use my voice to, for, 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 for something else in this time where I'm like, not to say that you can't do both, but I had to ask myself questions like, is this a community for me? Um, But not just in terms of, I've, I've always, kind of just with everything I, I question. I'm a person who I just do that. So even within the women's movement, I'm like, do I call myself a feminist? Do I have to be that to advocate for certain things? Um, all around, I would say even within my own journey, I'm like, well, if I'm not eating meat, but if I'm cooking meat for my family or my partner, am, am I vegan in these terms or just different things. Like there were so many questions within me where I'm like, I don't know if that's what I am. Um, And there was during this time I was just on a personal level, I was hospitalized. Um, And while I was there, there was, it was tough to get that type of care. I don't know if anybody's been hospitalized during this time, but there are certain institutions, i.e. hospitals, hospitals like this, where you don't necessarily have that privilege. They don't give you Uh the options, although we passed a law in California, and I worked on it with social compassion legislation that legally requires in California, if you ask for a plant-based meal, they are legally required to provide it. And if they don't, uh, they're in violation of the law because we worked on passing that law that was just passed a couple of years ago, just so everybody knows. Cause I think a lot of people don't know that they can demand a vegan meal when they're in the hospital. And, you know, to me, um, just about that, it's so ironic, tragically ironic that, um, they're feeding the food that is putting sometimes not I'm saying in your case, but in a lot of cases, people who are hospitalized with heart disease, uh, cancer, they're feeding them the food that got them sick in the first place. And we're seeing that also with people feeding the hungry. They're feeding meat to the hungry when meat is what causes hunger. If we animals eat far more than they produce as food, 
75% of all soy is fed to farm animals. Uh, so soy makes tofu, edamame, tons of food. If you took the soy that was fed to farm animals and fed it directly to humans, immediately you could begin to radically reduce world hunger. So one of the things that I see is that um, people are not, uh, in general, society isn't connecting the dots. The institutions are in denial about connecting the dots. I've had conversations with people who are humanitarians running organizations that purport to deal with world hunger, and they are dismissive of veganism because they don't want to do the math. You know, I mean, they don't want to see that maybe their strategy is the right strategy. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Gabrielle? Well, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, everyone has their choice. I love that religion aspect. You know, I grew up in so many freaking different religions, Buddhist, this Korean religion. I mean, seven day Adventist, Southern Baptist, so many different religions. And what I learned was, you know, pushing that mentality on people a lot of the time and, you know, kind of giving it that intense energy a lot of the time turns people off from it. But at the end of the day, it needs to be that balance of, you know, speaking truth. You know, what is the truth? What are the facts about how mm -hmm. our environment is being affected? How are humans being affected? And ultimately bringing light to that truth. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I, I feel like we have control over our own bodies. You know, we have, we are allowed to put in whatever we want to with our bodies. And at the end of the day, if someone chooses to, you know, eat poorly after they've been diagnosed with diabetes or eat poorly after they've experienced, uh, you know, life altering uh, illness, well, ultimately they're going to have to learn the lesson. They're going to have to either change the diets, change the way that, they, or what people are feeding them, or they're just going to have to find something that works for their body. You know, I truly believe that at the end of the day, you know, everyone's journey is different, just like all of us as humans are different, but we all are humans. We're all, and not just humans, we're all beings. We're all living beings. And what veganism means to me is respecting those beings and loving those beings and loving the earth and other beings the same way that you want to be loved. So that's just kind of my two cents. About but that. I think you raise a really important point, Janae, about uh, having a perception that needs to be acknowledged that what veganism was, wasn't supportive of Black Lives Matter. I will say that I think it was a wake up call for institutions across the board. It's mm -hmm. no coincidence that Joy Reid gets her weekday show after Black Lives Matter. If you notice, like even on MSNBC, just to use an example, and I watch it all the time, that's why I would know, uh, that uh, Dr. Uh, Reverend Al Sharpton and Joy Reid were on the weekends. And it wasn't until Black Lives Matter that Joy Reid got a weekday show. Mm, all yeah. institutions are re-examining their, uh, I would call it built-in biases. And um, I'll give you an example of Jane Unchained. Uh, we have thankfully begun to really diversify our lineup prior to uh, Black Lives Matter, I'm happy to say. And um, somebody had pointed out 
you know, that we were not intentionally, but that there was a, a, a tendency not to be as diverse as we could be. Immediately, we rectified it. And now I'm so happy to say that I think we have probably the most diverse group of people on Jane Unchained with their own shows, uh, from Chef Babette to Sean Hill to Naja Wright Brown and others. And uh, also, uh, we have more diversity as far as the Latino population with a, a contributor in Peru doing weekly lunch break lives. We want our channel to reflect the diversity of the world. Sure. And, uh, and that includes people from other walks of life, from India, from Asia. You know, we want to be the melting pot that is the beauty of our world. And that also is a process, not an event. You know, yeah. uh, and, and so um, I, I, I hope that, especially with African Americans switching over to veganism at an at an incredible rate, leading other demographics, that there can be a sense of ownership. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would like to say is that, from a political standpoint, we're only we only got a few minutes, but this is the, the big controversy. <laughs> If you look at most meat and dairy is consumed through fast food and also even the cattle industry in general, all of those institutions support uh, the, let's just call it the Trump administration, the administration that is uh, actively oppressing people of color. Mm -hmm. So they're making money from it. They're making yeah. money from, and, and that also goes into, you know, these communities that are next to these, uh, these cattle farms and next to these pig farms, they are getting poisoned. These people of color, these lower income communities, they, they put these huge factory farms in these communities and then it poisons their water and it's killing them. It's making them sick. And that's a huge other part. I'm sure you all know the invisible vegan you've seen. Yes, we um, saw, yes we've had her on Jasmine Leva. She lays yeah. this out where they, there's no slaughterhouses in on Park Avenue or in Beverly Hills. The slaughterhouses no. and the concentrated animal feeding operations are put in communities of color specifically. The slaughterhouse workers are dying. They're all, in fact, a racial discrimination complaint was just filed last week uh, against the uh, meat packing companies to the USDA saying they are violating Title VI um, with discriminatory practices because the white managers are allowed to stay home and, and social distance. And the slaughterhouse workers who are overwhelmingly people of color, almost 100%, uh, primarily Latino, but not, not exclusively. There's 30 languages spoken at one slaughterhouse alone. They have to go in there shoulder to shoulder. It's impossible to have true social distancing in a slaughterhouse and they're dying. Therefore, the, our government tax dollars should not be used to subsidize and support this industry, which it's been doing to the tune of billions. Mm. Facts. Facts. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's what's wild to me is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty young for myself. I'm 28 years old and I didn't learn about any of this until recently. And what's crazy is like, we, we all through all of us on this call, we all know what, how it is. We know the truth. We understand it. What blows my mind is the people who don't know it and who don't want to know it. And that's what makes me, what hurts a little bit is, you know, 
man, one of my good friends, Marlon, I'm sure you know, Marlon, uh, plant-based G Life. Yeah. yeah. I love him. He came over for our Juneteenth celebration and he was telling me, he was like, man, he's like the culture I grew up in. It was like, you died at 50, you know, like you got big and you died. And, and I, and I started crying. I got very extremely emotional because it was like, Oh my God. Like, I wish, I wish I could just send out a message to everyone and be like, listen, you don't have to do this. You don't have to have these sicknesses and these illness. And I think Marlon is also an incredible example of that. You know, how he's lost the copious amount of weight. He is glowing. He is shining. So I think it's beautiful to see his journey and him inspiring people who were, you know, 300, 400 pounds uh, to eat delicious food that still changes their life for the positivity. Yes. And go ahead, Janae. Yeah, I was, I, I was just saying, agreeing that Marlon is definitely a great, uh, I would say, example of the, the transition and in, um, introducing, I mean, I don't know if you follow his food page, but he's always posting great food that he, most um, people are just impressed by. That's a great way to invite a lot of us to the conversation is these great presentations that it's like you look at and you're like, oh, wow, that... That definitely rice and gravy. That definitely looks like you know some some fried chicken, but it's it's oyster mushrooms, you know. So just showing, I love that he's doing that too. Showing that you can use just straight up vegetables. You don't need to have like I said the the more fancier products uh, that you the beyonds and all that stuff where you can DIY. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. facts or that that we have. It's, you know, my, my whole thing, you guys know I am, I'm about just introducing it, letting folks know, like, these are options. I mean, I, that's mainly how I eat. Um, but like I said, I just don't feel comfortable using that terminology for myself. I, I support the movement. That's why I'm still here today. Um, and I tell people, try it, give it a try. I mean, I, everything I post is still, everyone is like enticed by just even try whether it's for a week, for a day. I get a lot of people who message me like, thank you for showing me that there are other options. So it's, I still feel like it's still a great way to promote eating way more fruits and vegetables than we are sold. I've never seen a commercial for lettuce. I've never seen a commercial for, you know, you just don't see those commercials. So we're creating our own ways. And I think every piece matters. Every piece counts, whether it's your grandma saying, did you eat your vegetables? Those, all those things that we, we all know the power of plants. So um, I'm grateful to be in a time where we have access to even all of these recipes and uh, chefs online now as well. So Well, we love what you're doing and introducing people. You know, I always say the word vegan, if it goes away tomorrow, that's fine. It's really not about a word. In fact, when it becomes ubiquitous, we won't use a word because the outlier will be meat and dairy. So you'll have to eat food. (laughs) Food. Eat food. Good food. food. That's what we'll call it. Yeah, we're totally out of time. You want to give one uh, 10 second high note, Gabriel? Can I sing y'all a quick little song? Uh, Oh, have the power to keep going. 
We all have the power to keep growing. We all have the power to keep glowing. So we go, we grow, we glow. Yes. I love it. What a great way to end this incredible conversation. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of it. And wow, we covered a lot of ground, ladies. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.